8 through 33. In this passage, Jesus is telling his disciples about a future judgment. And he says, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. And here... As Jesus tells of this time of a future judgment, kind of in the middle of this longer discourse, he starts speaking about the story of Lot, comparing the people of that coming judgment's day to those of Sodom and Gomorrah in Lot's day. And in the sort of climax of this passage, seemingly out of nowhere, Jesus says in verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And this is kind of strange. Lot is mentioned in a few places throughout the Bible, but as far as I'm aware, outside of Genesis 19, Lot's wife is never mentioned, neither before or after. And so we're going to look at Genesis 19 today, and we're going to do as Jesus says and remember Lot's wife. And we're going to see what her story can teach us as Christians. So as we come to Genesis 19... Abraham and Lot have already gone their separate ways, and Lot has moved himself and presumably his family into Sodom. But there is a big problem with this move. We don't know much about Sodom, but what we do know is that it and its sister sister city Gomorrah are not filled with righteous people. Genesis 13 verses 12 and 13 says this of Lot's choice to even move near Sodom. It says, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, but Lot settled among the cities of the Jordan plain and pinched his tent next to Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were extremely wicked rebels against the Lord. Other translations say the inhabitants of Sodom sinned greatly against the Lord. They were an evil people. And yet Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. And over the next few chapters, you see Lot and his family move closer and closer to the city, slowly becoming a part of it. And by the time we actually get to Genesis 19, our main focus today, Lot and his family live in Sodom. They live in this wicked city. But it's not just that these cities have some bad people living in them. Or that their majority bad people, maybe it's like 60, 40. In Genesis 18, verses 20 and 21, God tells Abraham, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And Abraham knows what this means. He realizes that God is about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he knows enough about those cities to know that that judgment is not going to go very well for them. 
And Abraham knows that Lot and his family are there in Sodom. And so he attempts to sort of negotiate with God, pleading with God to spare Sodom. He says, God, you wouldn't destroy the city if it had 50 righteous people, would you? Well, what about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? And God says that he will not destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, even for the sake of 10 righteous people. But as we get into Genesis 19, it becomes clear very quickly that there are not even 10 righteous men in the city of Sodom. And that's proven by how the men of this town treat these two angels. You know the story. The two angels come to Sodom and there they find Lot sitting in the city's gate. A detail that many believe means that he had some sort of official leadership role in the city or at the very least was a well-respected man within the city. And righteous Lot sees these angels, although he doesn't know that they're angels, and he knows the kind of men that the people of Sodom are, and he agonized over their sin, and he knows the Sodomites will do horrible, awful things to these men if given the chance. So Lot determines that he will take these men under his protection and spare them from the degeneracy of the men of Sodom. And in Genesis 19, 2, Lot says to the men, Here, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. Stay the night and wash your feet, and then you can be on your way early in the morning. But the men initially refuse this offer of hospitality. They say that instead they'll spend the night in the town square. But Lot, he fears for their safety, and he urges them to take shelter at his place. And the angels do. Lot acts very hospitable to these men. But in the night, the men of Sodom come to Lot's house and they demand that Lot give up these visitors. And Lot refuses. Lot begs these men. He bargains with these men. Lot tries to get them to just come to their senses, but they refuse. The men of Sodom are angered by Lot's refusal, saying that he's just a foreigner. He has no right to judge them. And they threaten Lot and they, they attempt to break into his house. And they're really close to breaking into his house. And at that moment, the angels reveal themselves as angels. They come out and they blind the men of Sodom. And they turn to Lot and they say, do you have any family in this city? Because if you do, now is the time to get them out. Because we are about to destroy this city in God's judgment. So Lot hurried and he went out to where the men that were betrothed to his daughters, his future sons-in-law, were living. And he warned them in Genesis 19, 14, saying, Quick, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his future sons-in-law think that he's joking, which says something about Lot's example to the city of Sodom, or maybe lack thereof, that they think that he would joke about God's judgment in such a way. But either way, they don't take his warnings seriously. Clearly, his religious thoughts did not hold great weight with even the very men that were going to join his family. And that brings us to Genesis 19.15. Genesis 19:15 where it says as the morning dawned the angels urged Lot saying up 
take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Now it's the angels who are urging Lot for his safety. But the Bible said that Lot lingered. And at this point, if I'm the angels, I I might be tempted to say, you know, enough's enough. You know, you already know the place is getting destroyed. It's morning now. This has been an all night process. So if you don't want to leave the city, I guess you're going to get destroyed with all the city. But that's not what the angels do. Because Genesis 19:16 says that because God was merciful to Lot, because God felt compassion for him, and the text later tells us because of God's compassion for Abraham as well, the angels grabbed Lot, his wife, and his daughters by the hand and set them outside of the city. And these two verses here are actually the first time that Lot's wife is directly mentioned. In case you forgot, this lesson is primarily about remembering her. And so take note that this is the first time that we actually have real mention of Lot's wife here. The moment that she enters this story is here in this time of great turmoil. This time where her family has been taken away from everything that she knows and everything that she loves. And we don't really know a lot about Lot's wife in some ways. We aren't given her name. We don't know whether she's a sodomite or not. We don't really know her background at all. We don't know her relationship with God. Did she believe in God at all? Or was she a pagan like the people around her? We don't know. But in other ways, we do know a lot about Lot's wife. We know everything that we need to know because we see her in this time of great distress, in this time of great change in this time where everything that she knows is being uprooted, where God is calling her and her family out of her home. And so how will she respond? That's what we get to see here. Will she have faith or will she not? How will she influence her husband and her family? So this is going to teach us a lot about who Lot's wife is, what kind of person she is, where her priorities are. Are. So pay attention to that as the story continues. So as we resume in Genesis 19:15, the two angels tell Lot and his family to flee to the mountains. Yet seemingly Lot hasn't fully learned his lesson. Lot pleads with the angels in verses 18 through 20 saying, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. So Lot begs to flee to another city, seemingly suggesting that this city will be harmless to him because it's a little city. It will have no great influence on him and his family. And the angels let him do even this. And then Lot and his daughters and his wife are off. But as you know, as they leave, they were given a few rules by the angels. And we see that in verse 17, Genesis 19, 17. It says, and as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. 
And there's the command. Don't stop. Don't delay. Don't relax. Don't even look back until you are safe. But you know how the story ends. But let's read it anyways. Genesis 19, verses 23 through 26. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And so as we conclude the story, Lot is scared by this devastation. So scared that he seemingly learns his lesson and abandons city life and moves into the mountains. But not scared enough that he is recorded as seeking God or even Abraham for any sort of direction forward. And that's the end of Lot's story in Genesis. He fades out with this epilogue of shame and an inability to truly act. And that's the last mention of Lot's wife as well. She looks back and she is punished. And the Bible never mentions her again until Jesus tells, her, uh, tells us to remember her in Luke 17. So what are we to learn from Lot's wife? She's only really seen here in a few verses. And it's a, so it's a short story. But it's a tragic story. And I think one that we can take a lot from. So let's... Take a few minutes to take Jesus' advice and remember Lot's wife this morning with a few points of application. And I think the first thing to remember is that we do have... I don't know how this thing works. We do have a judgment day coming. And that's the context that Jesus brings up Lot's wife in Luke 17. He's warning his disciples about some sort of future judgment. And a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me have debated what that judgment is that he's specifically talking about in this chapter. Is it the final judgment day? Is it the destruction of the Jerusalem? I don't know. But what I do know is that the application for us is much the same. We have a judgment day coming. But unlike Lot and his family, we're not going to get warned about it the day that it happens. We've already been warned. The Bible has already given us our warning. Jesus has already given us our warning. We must be constantly living as if today is the day of judgment. And I think that's why Jesus urges us to remember Genesis 19. Why Jesus urges us to remember Lot's wife. Because in many ways we're in the same scenario that she is in. Because God has told us that there's a judgment coming and that we need to be ready for it. And like Lot and his wife, we have the choice between two paths. We have the choice between what God says and what we really want. Lot and his wife had the choice between fleeing Sodom a path that God gave them to safety and deliverance and life, and the path behind them to look back toward Sodom, back to the life that they knew, back to the life that they loved, back to their old way of living, their old friends, their old hobbies, their old status. 
And when we choose to live God's life, to walk God's path as a Christian, we have the same call that we have to make. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And in this chapter, John lays out two paths for us. And we'll, we'll just read verse 17 for now. It says, The world is passing away along with all its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Lot's wife chose the world and its desires. The word that is translated looked back in most translations is not talking about a glance. This isn't sort of an accident or an unconscious thing. The word means to look back with desire. She looked back with desire for Sodom. She looked back with desire for her past life. She looked back longingly toward the sin and the corruption and the destruction of Sodom. She chose her past life over the path of God and his blessings. And she paid the price for that. Lot himself has a similar problem as he bargains with the angels to go to the city of Zoar. Though he seems to kind of learn his lesson and choose the mountains instead at the end of the story. But what will you choose? Will you choose to look back into your sin? Will you choose to look back to the world and its desires? Because if so, you're choosing destruction and the punishment of the world over the eternal will of God. And that's what Lot's wife did. As Jesus says in Luke 17, she sought to save her own life, and so she lost it. And we cannot do that. She did it physically. She lost her physical life. But how much more watchful should we be over our eternal life? If you will turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul goes into detail towards the end of the chapter about how being a Christian changes your life. Uh, about how to truly be a follower of God, you need to start a new life. And for the sake of time, we'll just read verses 20 through 24. Ephesians 4 Verses 20 through 24. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And the truth is to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And as Paul lays it out for us and as it is laid out in Genesis 19 and numerous other places in the Bible... There are two paths for you. There is the path ahead of you, the path towards God, the path that is following God and doing his will and truly loving him. And then there is the path behind us, the path toward our sinful desires, the path toward our, our past life, the path toward death and punishment. 
And then we have to make a choice. It's the same choice that Lot's wife faced. And she made the wrong choice. She chose to look back. Don't look back. Heed Jesus' warning and remember Lot's wife and choose God's will over the world and over your past life. And that's hard. I don't have all the answers on how to do that. And even if I did, uh, I've got about five minutes left in this lesson. But we have to choose God. We have to choose to live out his word and his will in our lives. And just as a side note this morning, one way that we can help ourselves to choose God's path is surround yourself with Abraham's. And that might not be completely obvious in this story that we read today, But I think in a lot of ways, Lot's wife serves as kind of like an anti-Abraham, as an example of what the opposite of Abraham looks like. Because what is the first time that we see Abraham, really? In Genesis 12, when God calls him out of his home and out of his way of life, and when is the first time that we see Lot's wife? Here in this story, when God is calling her and her family away from their home and away from their lives. So they really start, their story starts in parallel places, but that's kind of where the similarities end. Whereas Lot's wife did not heed the warning of God and she unfaithfully longed for her past life, Abraham faithfully listened to God and followed him. So the comparison then between Abraham and Lot's wife is one of obedience versus disobedience, faith versus unfaithfulness. But it doesn't just end there. Abraham was a great influence on Lot. In many ways, it was Abraham's care for Lot that had got him through this far. Even after they split up, in Genesis 14, Abraham leads an army to save Lot from the pagan kings that defeated the Sodomites. Abraham's influence is what spares Lot in this passage as well. In Genesis 18, God decides that he should not hide the future destruction of Sodom from Abraham. And so then Abraham bargains with God on Lot's behalf, as we already talked about. And we may think, well, that bargaining, it didn't work. There weren't 10 righteous men in the city. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. So what is the point of this? But if you're still open to Genesis 19, read with me verse 29. Genesis 19, verse 29. So when God destroyed the cities of the region, God honored Abraham's request. He removed Lot from the midst of the destruction when he destroyed the cities that Lot had lived in. Lot was spared destruction because of Abraham's request. Because Abraham begged God to spare the righteous from the judgment of the wicked. It was Abraham's influence, Abraham's care, and Abraham's prayers that brought Lot this far. The influence of Lot's wife brought confliction and worldly distraction. Abraham's influence brought life. So
So surround yourself with people like Abraham, not Lot's wife. And that way we can be people like Abraham and not Lot's wife. And I would suggest that if you're looking to find people of faith, people like Abraham to surround yourself with, the people around you in this room would be a pretty good place to start. So as we close this lesson, I just want to emphasize the path that lies before you, the path ahead of you is God, his will, and his desire. And if you take that path, you will receive deliverance and you will receive the blessings of God. But behind us is our sinful self, our desires, and the world. And that path can only lead to destruction and death. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I urge you one last time, as Jesus does in Luke 17, to remember Lot's wife. Her story is a sad, cautionary tale of having the wrong priorities and letting those priorities dictate your choices. Don't let that be your story too. Choose the path of God's deliverance and strive toward the upward call of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to do as your son says and to remember Lot's wife. Help us to put away our past lives, to put away our worldly desires, and to cling to you and your path to salvation. Father, surround us with people like Abraham and help us to be people of faith like Abraham. Help us to live lives of following you and helping others to do the same as we see the judgment drawing near. In your son's name, amen. We'll now be dismissed to our classes.